The year is 6 BCE, before the Common Era. It's a warm, balmy June, or perhaps July, night in Bethlehem. The air scented with cypress, spices, and fresh scrubby grass. We are at the rough, humble home of a peasant. To one side of the small hut-like structure, across a tiny courtyard, sits a very tiny, small spare room. Its door is slightly ajar, and we can see through the opening that it's empty. There is a palpable sense of excitement for whatever is happening behind the door of the main room of the house, the largest room. What is happening, of course, is something very important, not just for the young married couple at the center of the story, but as it would turn out for the entire world. But no one present there that night has this prescient knowledge. Whatever was occurring on this night is a tale as old as time. It has occurred tens of millions, maybe even billions of times, ever since living creatures arose out of the oceans, the lands and the skies. Hello and welcome to Kissa, a story podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to my stories and if you are, you know what I'm going to say. Yes, please subscribe, download, listen, rate and review Kissa, a story podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consider rating and reviewing this podcast as a Christmas gift to me. It truly helps. This is my last podcast for 2022. I'll be back in 2023 with more stories. Until then, happy holidays to all of you, whatever and however you celebrate this seasoning. This seasoning? This season? I'm already thinking of the uh, Christmas meal, I think, and all the seasonings in that. For now, let's head back to that fateful night centuries ago. We're inside the courtyard of a small house, peering in, trying to see what's happening. The most visibly person at the door, pacing back and forth in the courtyard, is a young man. From his clothes, it's apparent he's not wealthy, just a common man like others in his society. He is olive-skinned, short, dark-haired, stocky, with a strong muscular body. His profession demands this strength. He is, as you might have guessed, a carpenter. His name, as you've also probably guessed, is Joseph. He is from Nazareth, as is his young laboring wife in the closed-off room, Mary. A local midwife arrives, opens the door slightly and slips inside the room that is at the focus of our story. When she does this, the young father-to-be tries to peek in furtively, eagerly, but all he can see is a darkened, hazy space. He can also most probably hear the pained whimpers of his young wife. But there's nothing else for him to do but to go back to waiting and pacing and waiting and pacing just as expectant fathers have done since time began. Perhaps the man of the house who rented out rooms to travelers stood with him in solidarity. It's a safe bet the homeowner's wife was probably inside the room with the laboring woman and the midwife. 
Childbirth has a way of bringing women, young and old, together. Age-old traditional women's business. We don't know if there were any other women in attendance, but it's safe to assume that these three were definitely present on that first Christmas. Christmas in July. Listeners, it's dark here in the Northern Hemisphere as we head towards the winter solstice. I don't know about you, but I count the days until December 21st, because then, even it's if, even if it's by a minute a day, the days start getting longer again. Until that happens and we start getting more sunlight, we're making it cheery with shimmering fairy lights, flickering candles, magical Christmas decorations, and festive trees laden with shiny ornaments. Therefore, I thought it only appropriate to delve into the greatest story ever told, the reason for the season, the story of Christmas, the real, true story of Christmas. Awkward, uh, I know, well, because historically Christmas is not really on December 25th. Through the ages, various Christian sects celebrated the birth of Christ at different times of the year until the religious powers that be settled upon December 25th as the day of the Nativity. And so Christmas was born as the holiday we know today. Snuggle into a soft blanket, settle down with your eggnog. I hate it personally, but I'm not judging you. Some glue vine or my new favorite glue whiskey, maybe some hot cocoa. Eat a Christmas cookie or two or ten as we take a few steps back again. Have you noticed all the good stories happen in the past? This one is no exception. On December 25th, more than two billion people will celebrate Christmas, even if it's not the actual date of Christ's birth. Okay, okay, I'll stop with that caveat at every mention of December 25th. So at the time it was happening, it's safe to assume that no one really knew that they were witnessing the birth of the savior of humanity. Most probably it was just another birth, joys for the parents and anyone else witnessing new life being born, but really just one of many babies being born that night. Of course, this means we have to walk away from Mary's angelic vision that kickstarted her virgin conception and then the all-important virgin birth. In fact, dear listener, we might have to sidestep many of the familiar elements of the Christmas story that you cherish. You might have heard that Christians had simply taken over the date of an ancient pagan holiday, deeming it to be the day of the nativity. Uh, historian Andrew McGowan, however, believes that there was another reason for the December 25th date being chosen. According to McGowan, the current date of Christmas is tied to that other great Christian event that bookends Jesus's life. Linking Jesus's conception with his death nine months prior on December 25th underscores the concept of salvation. A nice, neat bundle with no loose ends. His birth, his death. We have elements that are most probably true and others that, 
maybe require a bit of creative license? First, what's true or what is most probably true? Let's see. Joseph and his pregnant wife, like all Nazarenes of the time, probably did have to travel to Bethlehem to be counted in the census. They lived in an occupied land, ruled by the Romans, and all the people had to follow their orders, no matter how onerous those orders might be, or how pregnant one might be. Like others of humble means, the couple most probably rented a room in a private home that Bethlehemites let out to travelers during the census. Kind of an ancient Airbnb, really. A room in a home? What about, no, no, sorry, nope, no room at the inn for you. Here's a stable with a manger instead. What about that story? A Christian scholar named Stephen Carlson considers the lore of no room at the inn and birth in a manger one of the most misunderstood events of the Christmas story. According to Carlson, Cataluma, the actual Aramaic word, refers not as much to an inn as it does, does to guest quarters. According to him, most probably, Mary and Joseph rented a tiny guest room in a simple home in Bethlehem. You know, the Airbnb I was talking about. But the room itself was too small and inconvenient for childbirth. So it's likely that Mary gave birth in the main living quarters of the house, which also happened to contain the mangers for their host animals. Animals were prized resources and were often kept outdoors, uh, sorry, indoors with the rest of the family. In effect, the manger room was probably an upgrade from having to give birth in their tiny guest room. Now we come to another part of the story that we knew today. The greatest story ever told was created by two talented writers. Have you ever wondered how we have this panoramic, almost cinematically dramatic view of the divine birth? If I think of the words nativity or divine birth, I see it all. The dark velvety sky, that one bright star, three kings, a few camels and sheep, shepherds with their crooks kneeling in front of the manger, the manger in which lies the baby Jesus, way too awake to be a newborn infant, Joseph standing by his side, and Mary, teenage Mary, who just gave birth in trying circumstances far away from home and family, also standing by, or perhaps sometimes sitting with her infant in her arms. How do we all have some variation of the same image imprinted in our minds? Even me, not Christian, never have been Christian. Even I have this vision of the nativity. I mean, there were, were there scribes transcribing the birth as it happened? I doubt it. I mean, the accounts of the birth don't mention someone sitting to one side recording the events. This person isn't present in our visions of that holy night. Maybe we all have this image because this evocative scene was crafted by master storytellers. We learn the most about Jesus from the books of Luke, Matthew, Mark and John. And it's quite safe to assume that they were not witnesses to the actual birth. 
In fact, Mark and John don't venture into sacred nativity territory at all. Luke and Matthew are the two who write about the birth, but even they disagree on many important details. First, let's look at the parts of the story they do agree on. The birth happened in Bethlehem and Mary was a virgin. Then where and when did the angels, the magi, the animals and the rest of the familiar story come in? Like all good writers, they, it's safe to say, embellished the story, gilded the lily, so to speak. And they also had some help down the line embellishing that story, but more about that later. Luke writes of the angelic visitation that informs Mary she's carrying God's baby. Matthew has the angel visit Joseph instead, telling him what's going on and telling him, in other words, so Mary's pregnant and Joseph, you are not the father, but you got to marry her anyway. Luke waxes eloquently about the shepherds who came to adore Christ. Then Matthew ups the ante by bringing in the three wise men of the Magi. Actually, not only is it debatable if the Magi or the kings attended the birth, there is also no mention of the number three. There's no mention that there were three Magi. There could have been two or twenty. The number three comes from the mention of the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Fun fact, I played one of the Magi at my school's Christmas play when I was seven. I still remember the song. No, no, I'm not going to sing it. Even if the Magi did attend, they arrived not at the time of the birth, but a couple of weeks later. And this is the reason that many Christians celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany, the visit of the Magi, on January 6th. Matthew also doesn't write about them coming to a manger birth, but rather visiting a house where Mary and Joseph lived with their infant son. So, no Magi at the actual manger birth scene. Now the other question I've always had are the animals. Where did the animals come from? For that, we've got to fast forward a millennia, millennia plus from the birth of Jesus. Three guesses for a famous Christian who loved animals. Ding, 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 ding. Yep, got it, got it in one. Saint Francis of Assisi. Now, old Saint Francis didn't think the Savior should just be adored by humans, but by animals too. I mean, he was the Savior of the world, and the world includes animals, and Saint Francis loved animals. He loved them so much, in fact, that in the 12th century, he actually brought in a crib and animals into the church so that all living creatures could rejoice in the birth of the Lord. This addition became an immutable part of the Christmas story and has been so for close to 1,000 years. So we have the entire setup. In different parts of the world, we call it by different names. It's called a creche in some parts of the world, the nativity tableau or nativity scene in others, and some call it the crib. How very early 2000s MTV of them. But it's the same. Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus, the three wise men, animals and shepherds and angels.
but we won't go into the angels. Some religious art and iconography would ad adopt this cast of characters into their devotional images, images that we can see in Western museums even today. We could continue down this holy rabbit hole forever. How Matthew's account was informed by his Jewish heritage, while Luke drew upon the Greco-Roman traditions. There are Old Testament parallels. There are other virgin births that predate, predate Christ and Mary by centuries. How was the story we know today crafted and packaged as the only story? Scholars have spent lifetime studying this, so we can't go much deeper in a 20-minute podcast. But there's something here for sure. It's a multi-layered story. The new nucleus is the birth of a baby who grew up to be a carpenter, a revolutionary social and religious leader, and some believe the Messiah of the world. Other layers wrapped over the story later, the humble circumstances of the birth of the King of Kings, the adoring shepherds, the animals and the magi. When you pare it down and get down to basics, we have an intensely human story, an intensely relatable story, a young couple, a little baby, and the promise of greatness and of life. This family is poor. Some might liken them to refugees. They were certainly powerless in a system that was steeped in power. They were Jewish, so they were not treated so well by their Roman rulers. This family, that man, that woman and that baby have more in common with the poor huddled masses than they do with the proponents of the prosperity gospel. At the heart of this story nestles a simple message of love, family and persevering against all odds of continuing to live and to work, no matter the odds stacked against us. So that's what I wish for you, what I wish for all of us for this Christmas in December. To take some time and reflect on the only things that are of true value in our lives. What is true gold and what is fool's gold? Merry Christmas to all who celebrate and to those who don't, just celebrate love, life and family. Take a moment to breathe and reflect on the world. That's what it's all about after all. Thank you listeners for listening to Kissa, a story podcast. Thank you for being with me through this journey in this year. And I will see you all again in 2023 or at any rate, you'll hear my voice until then, please do tell your story-loving friends about Kissa, a story podcast, and don't forget to listen again in 2023. Good night.